Hello and welcome to Gamification Unlocked, a show about real games and how we can use their techniques for learning and change. I'm Brandon Carper, a training designer. I'm Chad Hafley. I do user experience work in academic libraries. And today we have another lockpick episode where we examine a game and its techniques briefly. So I'm going to start out today, Chad, by asking you, have you ever been to a communication training session? Is this about communicating with coworkers and that kind of thing? Sure. It's also, I think, a popular elective to make people take in, <laughs> in college. So I know I had to go through a communication course just as part of my liberal arts education. Yeah, I think I've probably had that experience at some point, And my gut reaction to it is just kind of a sigh, I think. Really, Chad? Yeah, and maybe I've not been to the right communication training. Uh, or seen it in the right context, but I feel like when done poorly, it is done very poorly. Correct. And I think the same can be said for a lot of corporate communication trainings, unfortunately. I think the reason for that is that a lot of people in the corporate world view training as a vitamin that you take. So you, you get a sense that maybe your customer service people aren't doing the greatest job on the phones, but you're not quite sure what the problem is, but why don't you send them to training and they'll be better in the morning? You can check that box. Check. <laughs> oh, yeah, and compliance-related communication training, even better. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, training is a more like a wrench to solve a problem with a machine, right? Not that people are machines, but you really want to analyze what the, the problem is and figure out the, the specific thing that's going wrong and then target your, your training around that. So the particular instance of communication we'll be looking at this week, previously we talked about pandemic and group work in general, but today I'd like to talk about a time when you have to assemble a, a cross-functional group or, or task force. So maybe not all people from a single department, but from different places in the, the organization. And this might be in the, the corporate world for maybe there's an emergency defect or the site goes down, a really important site, or maybe less urgent, but you need uh, to assemble a response to a prospective client's request for a proposal. And the person needs to know from the one developer what the software can do and the other developer how that new feature works and then this operations person how the implementation might turn out and the training person, how they might train people to do this particular thing, and you have a bunch of people in the room with different perspectives. Sure, it's a big-picture kind of project. You need someone who knows about everything. Sure. Do you have similar, I guess, needs for that type of group in your work, Chad? Definitely. You know, I do a lot of work with um, websites in particular, and anytime something breaks or goes down, there's that crisis response mode you go in, where I am I am not a developer. You know, I need a developer in the room to help with those kind of things. Um, mm. But I might have knowledge about how our systems tie together. We might need someone from our public services departments who know how um, that might impact given areas and you know what's our messaging strategy while we work on it from communications, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yes. Don't forget about the messaging strategy. Mm -hmm. So you have several people with different expertise trying to communicate with each other in a short amount of time. And uh, at least my experience in those groups has been personally that it's hard for me to pick out the correct information a lot of times, because if I'm not familiar with 
someone's sphere of influence, uh, for instance, maybe a particular piece of the, the software that is new, it just comes to me as just this wall of homogeneous information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's hard for me to identify what pieces I need to do my job correctly. And uh, it's nice that you can write everything down and take notes in OneNote or Evernote or whatever, but a lot of times in those situations, maybe you don't know what the important stuff is in the first place to, to write it down, and you're kind of going on memory when you then have to go to your teams or your direct reports and, and tell them how to approach the problem. So it's a lot of filtering and trying to figure out what was truly important about what you just heard when you wrote every word down. Right. It's a lot about, yeah, filtering that, but also then on the other side, constructing your message in such a way that the other people don't just see what you're saying as mm-hmm. this massive wall of <laughs> of information. Right. If everyone works that way, problem solved. Right. So how do you solve that problem? How do you train people to succeed in situations like that? Well, an interesting game that I played related to this uh, a while ago, I think, back around Christmas, it's a game called Witness. It's a board game. There's a video game that came out recently, which it has no relation to. So in this board game, everyone plays detectives, special agents, trying to solve a mystery like a, a murder. There are four people, exactly four people. You need four, no more, no less, to, to play the game. So you you see the, the case in general, like generally what happened, and then you each get your own separate booklets, and each of your booklets has a piece of information related to what happened before the murder, or how the murder occurred, and so on. So everyone reads their own piece of information, and then they take turns whispering that information to each other in pairs going around the table. So one will whisper to two, and while that's happening, three is going to whisper to four. (laughs) Okay, so it's only people next to you that you can whisper to. Right, and after one whispers to two, two is going to whisper to three, and then three to four, and then finally four whispers back to one. So you then have to communicate not only what you know about the case, you also have to communicate what you've heard from the players before you in the, the sequence. And in the meantime, you're trying to remember what everyone said because you're not allowed to write anything down until after all the whispering is finished. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on. And then after all the, the whispering, you can write down your notes and then you see a few questions about the case, such as uh, who did it, how they did it, where they did it, and then everyone writes down their, their answers. And then the team gets a point for each question that each person gets right. And that's how you you play. Gotcha. So it's very stressful because you're trying to use these mnemonic devices to remember what people told you in advance. And then you're trying to communicate that to the the other person. (laughs) Uh, And so there's a lot going on in your your head at the the same time. It's a real struggle to to listen to the information, to, to classify it, and you know, encode it and then present it to the other person in a way that they can remember it easily. Mm-hmm. And just to, I guess, reference a previous episode we did about pandemic where we talked about group work. This is an example of individual accountability happening in a, a game because you're not just winning and losing, you know, zero or one altogether. 
you actually have to make sure that everyone in the group understands because if someone answers something wrong, then the, the whole team loses a, a point. Yeah, that reflects poorly on all of you. Right, right. What makes this even more difficult sometimes is that it's not all just verbal information you're communicating. For instance, if I'm remembering correctly, one of the first cases you do, you actually have to describe the shape of footprints. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the, the location of footprints to other people. So it really engages your your spatial uh, intelligence in that regard. I don't know how I would describe any footprint, let alone in that kind of <laughs> game environment. So, and I think that that's really interesting because in, you know, a, a group task force type environment, you're going to have a lot of different pieces of knowledge that you have to be able to communicate and understand, like mm -hmm. the, the, the coding aspect, you know, the, the feature capabilities, how it's going to affect people once it's implemented, how uh, the messaging needs to sound, like you said. So there's a lot of different types of information going around that you have to all, you know, classify and communicate with uh, with words. Mm -hmm. Have you ever played the card game Space Team, by chance? Space Team. Is that where everyone has a different role on a spaceship? Sort of. It's a different thing. Well, it reminds me of, like, a, a more chaotic version of what how you're describing Witness in a lot of ways. So everyone okay. flips over a card and they have a problem on the spaceship that needs to be solved and everyone has a set of tools that can be used to solve those problems with nonsensical names. And you basically all just yell at each other to see who has the, <laughs> the tool that you need to fix your problem. And it's kind of cooperative in that you all need to succeed in solving all of your problems, but you're, there's just a lot of chaotic yelling at the same time as opposed to structured whispering. So is there any like hidden information that goes around or... Is is everything public information? Every um, I'm trying to remember. It's been a, I think everything is public. No, no, I'm sorry. Some is public, some is private. So okay. you you don't know which tools other people have, but you know what problem everybody has. Oh, I see. I see. And is, is there a time limit of some sort? Yeah, there's an egg timer going. I see. Um, yeah, I've played. I played a, a game called Space Alert, where. It solved the, the problem of, you know, one person. We talked about quarterbacking a couple episodes ago. And it solved that problem by putting a very, very small time limit on how long you have to, to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And you bas you're basically on this, this spaceship, and aliens are attacking, and bad things are happening. And you have to plan out your moves, maybe, I think, six or eight or, or ten moves in advance, and you have to remember in your head where your character is going to be on move six so that the other person on move six can be in the same room to oh, wow. do the thing that has to be done. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's it's just impossible for one person to remember everyone else's positions because it's hard enough to remember their own mm -hmm. in that way. You know, every, everyone is necessary because no one can possibly hold it all in their, their own head. Yeah. So applying this... Practically, I was thinking, so you go into a communication training, and I feel like, with a few exceptions, for something to be training, you have to actually practice <laughs> something yes. at some point, instead of just talking about the principles behind effective communication. That's a lecture, that's not training. Yeah. So, either at the beginning to grab people's interest, or at the end to practice applying some concept, I could see a good actual use case for actually, you know, playing this game. <laughs> yeah, I think this might be the most clearly applicable topic we've talked about yet. 
just just flat out bring out the game and let people have a good time because each round is only about I think ten or fifteen minutes because it goes pretty quickly. You just have those few rounds of of uh, information sharing, mm-hmm. and then so maybe maybe play, play that a few times, break the ice, but then maybe bring in your own materials then for the game where you're having like case information from an actual example and work. <laughs> yep. You know, like an actual. Uh, uh, RFP that you need to respond to where you're getting information about the, the software or, you know, an emergency that has to, that has to be fixed. And oh, I love this you know, idea, si- you know, simulating that you can't all be in the same meeting at the same time because, you know, whose outlook calendars are all going to align like that, you mm-hmm. know? So, you know, maybe bring that in and kind of just play it with the same mechanics and then see how they do at the, the end of it in terms of solving the problem. Like, you know, give the marketing person, Okay, what is your messaging going to be about <laughs> this problem? <laughs> and did they get all the information correct or not? Wow. Um, <laughs> I think you successfully gamified an office environment. <laughs> uh, and then if you have time, you could, you know, segue into a situation that maybe more closely mirrors the business in terms of, you know, emails and meetings and so on. But yeah. uh, I think that, you know, like I said, either be a good way to get people thinking and in the mood for what you're about to show them or to give them some practice applying those those concepts. Have you played this game multiple times? No, I've only played it it was just the one day. Uh I was at a, a friend's house and he has every board game I think ever, ever published. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what if the experience playing the second time differs from the first, like if you feel like you've developed mental models that would better serve the way you communicate the information and receive it from others. Yeah, I think so. I think once you maybe get in the habit of, you know, internalizing those few bits of information you get from other people, I think it, it can become easier. I think just playing it within one day, I made a few steps to toward that, but I didn't. I did not become extremely good at it, especially when, like I said, the clues become like pictures you have to describe, yeah, instead yeah. of just words you have to to relate. Yeah, that's where I would fail miserably. Yeah, I do think it's a skill you you can develop, and you know it would have to be, or else it wouldn't be a good training tool. Right, exactly. So that was the the witness and how it could be applied to your your corporate environment or your academic environment. So as with pandemic, the good folks at Shut Up and Sit Down have a, a very wonderful review of this game that you can find on their website. You can find the the link in our show notes. You've been listening to Gamification Unlocked. I'm Brandon Carper. I'm Chad Hafley. Please rate us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. You can find us on Twitter at Unlocking Games and on the web at unlockinggames.com. If you have a minute, feel free to send us a tweet or leave us a comment letting us know what you thought of the episode. Or if you have any creative ways of handling communications training, or if you would just like to complain about past communication trainings or classes that you have been to. Until next time, thanks for listening, and it's your move.